Hello everyone, welcome to Azure On Air and in today's episode we have got a very interesting person. He's Stephen Eskins, he's a cloud architect and digital transformation advocate. He has got a particular interest for hybrid architectures, modern authentication and security in general. So Stephen is a Kubernetes lover and also an AI enthusiast. He's also proficient in development, infrastructure and security. Apart from all this, Stephen is a very active blogger, author and speaker which also gave him an allocate of Azure MVP for 15 times. I'm very excited to host Stephen in our show today. Hi Stephen. Hi Amrita. So thanks for having me today. Yeah, we're, the pleasure is our Stephen and uh, what are we going to discuss today about in uh, our show Stephen? Let's, uh, let's give a highlight about that to our uh, audience. Yeah, so basically we're going to discuss the container services, the container landscape in Azure, when to use what, and what, um, what, what it is to actually start a container journey. Amazing. So uh, I just got it from you because the very mo- the very first moment when I asked for a topic, you you told you are very fond of containers. So I just wanted to let people know what you're going to cover in this topic. And followed by that, I would also like uh, to start the session with um, in, in a general question, rather moving into a direct question based on Azure. We, let's start with a general uh, point that each person who's new to containers would have in mind. So uh, why does this serve? even exist what is containers why containers yeah well actually for me containers are really linked to cloud native uh, you probably hear quite often about cloud native um, architectures and, and cloud native approaches and I think that of course cloud native approach it entitles that you basically can fluently deploy an infrastructure can release applications let's say during business hours that's what cloud native means in general, so you can achieve cloud native with, without containers, but I would say that containers are very good, uh, will play very well with cloud native. Right? They, they, they bring the extra mile uh, in terms of, uh, especially container orchestrators, in terms of how you can deploy and release applications uh, and in terms of resilience and so on. And so con- containers really bring this, of course, on top of, let's say, optimizing infrastructure, right? Because containers, uh, in general, let's say we will spare uh, the uh, footprint of, of of the OS, right? So uh, a container is lighter than, than a virtual machine, of course, um, and also they bring portability. So they, they bring a lot of um, um, let's say benefits, um, but also of course that comes at a certain cost. So you need to to learn containers. You need to have your your own landscape ready for containers, and then you can of course uh, try to. Uh, to uh, leverage cloud providers to make your uh, journey uh, easier. Uh, but let's say, in general, the reason why you would go for containers is mostly to gain flexibility, gain efficiency in, in, in let's say, in, in releasing applications and so you would reach a better time to market and you could optimize costs, basically, if you make a, a proper use of containers. Super. So, uh, having heard about why containers, I also have a question like uh, a sudden question that popped into my mind, uh, Stephen. Um, mm-hmm. As you are a consultant, yeah. So, to what mm-hmm. type of domains do you recommend containers, and where do they use it? Yeah. Well, basically, the, 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 the one of the easiest and, and best use case for containers are microservices, right? So, microservice architectures. Uh, because, of course, the whole point of microservices is to gain, um, let's say, in agility, 
to basically have different teams working on different services at the same time, uh, uh, having also some technical benefits like independent, uh, uh, let's say, uh, scalability. Uh, so all of this uh, can be very well accommodated uh, thanks to containers. Um, so that that's basically uh, one of the use cases, uh, but of course, containers can be used for everything, right? That that's uh, that that's the the thing. So it's like just a paradigm shift compared to VMs, right? So, uh, but of course, where it would make less sense is maybe, or let's say, when you will not have all the fruits, the benefits of containers, is probably when you do just a lift and shift, right? So lift and shift meaning, say that you have a monolithic application on premises, for instance. Uh, running uh, just to say something on a plain old IIS web server, you know, an old school uh, ASP.NET, then you would need a Windows container. That is doable, but in, in that case, your goal is just to migrate something because you don't want to refactor the application you want to lift and shift, right? In that case, of course, you can also use containers, but that's not where they will shine the most, you see? So that's something to keep in mind. Um, yeah, so basically that that's um, uh, that that's one. Uh, so the usually use cases from from companies are more in microservice architectures because there is also a growing adoption of this, and then again microservices and and containers play well together. Uh, also anything that is web, right, e-commerce and so on. Uh, that's also something that uh, uh, plays very well with containers. Anything that's very dynamic where you need frequent releases and so on, containers again can help. Um, well, basically they can they can. Uh, accommodate a lot of stuff where i would be a little bit more reluctant for instance is uh, hosting full database engines within containers like clusters in clusters and that is maybe not the best use of containers because that will also be uh, some extra complexity uh, you see so i i would really see everything that's web related uh, and let's say dynamic uh, plays very well with containers for the big systems like oracle and so on to be honest it's possible, but I would not. Uh, it's certainly not the the choice I would recommend. Uh, let's say to get to to, to go for, uh, especially not when starting with containers. Super, that was a brilliant explanation from the consultant Stephen. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I would also like to know a little more in depth about containers on a technical perspective now. So. Mm -hmm. um, as you said, the containers uh, can be used in different areas, right? Also, we would like to understand the container landscape in Azure. So, uh, what are the different types of containers available? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you have indeed. So, the Azure offering uh, is broader, right? Uh, is expanding, let's say, year after year. So, I would say here today, uh, you have basically... Um, Simple container services like Web App for Containers. Uh, web App for Containers is just Azure Web Apps, but you can run containers inside those web apps. Uh, and that is typically, for instance, uh, one example where, it, where you could lift and shift some uh, old ASP.NET uh, application to Azure App Service container-based. That's, that's one use case, for instance. Uh, but usually here, you will, we will not be talking about container orchestrators. We're going to talk about simple containers. Same for container instances. Right, that's something that I use uh, almost with every customer, um, and that is something that's very, very interesting for jobs, right? Background jobs, uh, event handlers, uh, or in event-driven architectures, uh, where you can basically spin up, spin up a, con uh, a container, let it do what it needs to do, like handle, I don't know, uh, a big file, or or, or well, do something basically, and when it's done, you destroy the container, and in that case, it's very uh, serverless, by the by, by the way, and so cost friendly. 
very elastic. Uh, so that, that's another type of services in Azure. So container instances, uh, you can run both Windows and, and, and uh, Linux containers. Uh, then you have more sophisticated container services like AKS. I'll come back to this a little bit. And Azure Red Hat OpenShift, that, uh, these are really container orchestrators, uh, very sophisticated. And then you have uh, container apps. That's the last born container service in Azure. Um, but you have even more than this. So you should, be, you should know that basically many Azure services ship themselves as containers, logic apps, Azure Functions, uh, some cognitive services. So more and more, you can actually containerize an Azure service or you have an image that is uh, ready to be used, provided by Microsoft, that you can basically run anywhere. And so you can run that on-premises, you can run that, uh, let's say, in another cloud. It's just a container, right? So you can run it in any container environment. And on top of this, you have no more and more Azure Arc, that is, uh, uh, let's say, a, a service that allows you to manage, let's say, Kubernetes clusters um, across data centers, basically, right? Again, across clouds, across uh, data centers. So you see that the container space is really gaining or expanding a lot in, in Azure. But I would say if you focus more on the use cases I was uh, depicting earlier, so like microservices and so on, then typically you would you would uh, you would choose between Red Hat OpenShift, Azure Red Hat OpenShift, uh, so AKS, Azure Kubernetes Services, or container apps. And these are the three where you would basically be able to to play with uh, microservices uh, mostly. The others are just more, uh, uh, let's say, uh, for more static web apps or more, uh, let's say, less dynamic workloads or. or tinier applications, right? Um, if you use web app, uh, okay. So that, that's basically uh, a little bit the, the, the landscape. That's your that, Yeah, that was a good list of containers that you had an idea about. Having so much in hand, we obviously have a thought when to use what or when to get started with what, yeah? So can you just help us with understanding um, which particular containers uh, use case and as well as how to get started with it? Yeah, well, basically to get started, I think if you really start a container journey, uh, going right uh, straight away to AKS is maybe not uh, gonna make your journey easy, right? So if we, if we think about the complexity, right? Container instances, it's very simple. Azure Web App for containers, it's very simple. Um, so container apps, it's already a little bit more complex, but that's still simpler than, than, than the AKS. So I would say if you start, it's a good start, a good way to start is basically to start packaging your applications as containers, deploying them, running them as containers, uh, because you will already have to adapt your CI/CD uh, pipelines, uh, uh, maybe transition from uh, DevOps, let's say, to GitOps. Oh, well, if you just start, maybe DevOps, that's still okay. Uh, but so basically, uh, to get started, it's it's easy to use, uh, let's say, uh, Azure Web App for containers and or container instances, right? Depending, of course, on, on the use case. Uh, and that is a way to uh, to at least package your applications containers and adapt a little bit your CI-CD pipelines. Uh, but that will then be quite limited in terms of use cases you can tackle. Uh, and so when you, let's say, have more complex applications or really uh, when the benefits of a container orchestrator uh, is, uh, are, are, let's say, important for your use case, then you have to, of course, uh, envision uh, AKS, uh, container apps possibly as well. So container apps, just to, to, to describe it a little bit more, 
Um, it's the last born service from, from Microsoft uh, and it has Kubernetes behind the scenes, okay? But it's fully managed by Microsoft, so you don't, you don't see it. Uh, and so it includes extra uh, components like Dapper, which uh, also gains in popularity, and Kida. Kida is Kubernetes even driven autoscaler. And so container apps, the goal, the, the value proposition of container apps is really to make your life easy. So the hard piece is managed by Microsoft, fully managed. And then, uh, and then you basically focus on deploying your code. Yeah? So it reminds me a little bit uh, Service Fabric Mesh. That was something that Microsoft attempted to to deploy, let's say, or to yeah to, to popularize a few years ago. It didn't really uh, went well. Uh, but I think Container Apps. Uh, I hope at least that it's gonna have a better. Uh, or that's going to be more successful. But that's the same purpose, really try to hide the complexity of Kubernetes, right? And, and so basically getting started with container apps, if you have a microservice use case today, you, have, you know nothing about containers, then container apps is definitely something to look at. It's still the early days of the service. So I think it's also important not to expect, you know, uh, enterprise-grade features uh, from day one, okay? Uh, by enterprise-grade features, I, I mostly... Think about security. Uh, you know probably that security is really uh, important in cloud applications in general. And, and I think companies tend to be to try to be even more secure when they go cloud than what they have on-prem, uh, because there is always still this 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 fear a little bit of, of clouds. Um, uh, you still see that in some industries and some companies. So they will uh, actually do maybe double effort in security in the cloud than what they do on-prem. And, and so container apps, uh, uh, let's say, comes in multiple flavors, but it's still not at the same level of AKS in terms of how you can control, let's say, network traffic, uh, how you can isolate workloads. That is, is by no means uh, comparable today. It could probably evolve, right? But I, I suppose that Microsoft will keep it quite simple. Otherwise, it would become as complex as Kubernetes, right? So the goal is to try to, to find the right balance between something that is easy to get started and that brings a lot of value uh, versus something that you can control to the you know the maximum extent, but then becomes more complex. And that's the case of AKS, okay? So AKS, same with Red Hat OpenShift, but I have less experience with that. So I'll, let's say focus more on AKS. So AKS is really uh, uh, the Swiss knife container service. You can do everything with AKS. So let's be very clear. Uh, uh, but then of course you have some, some uh, the learning curve is, is steeper. It's Kubernetes. It's not only Kubernetes, it's the full ecosystem. So it's a Pandora box. When you start with AKS, then you will have you know, other tools like, okay, which ingress controller to choose, which um, scaler to choose, what key that is usually the answer for this one. It's an easy one. Uh, but, you know, you have a, uh, which CI, CD tools, Flux, Argo CD. Uh, you have a lot of tools, basically, that you will need to to to, to learn uh, and manage. Uh, so network as well. So Envoy, all these uh, ecosystem solutions that actually that come on top of Kubernetes, right? All of this, you have to learn that. And that, of course, uh, is very nice and you have incredible tools and you really have all the promises of Cloud Native. As I said, if you have a major uh, AKS environment, you can indeed do releases during the day, during business hours. Uh, you know, it's not like the old school way of planning a release over the weekend, right? This is really something you can you can get. That's really Cloud Native, but you don't get there in uh, overnight, right? You really need to invest time, efforts, energy, and money in the end, because this is not free. 
uh, to get uh, this, uh, let's say, uh, to, to, to get most of, um, uh, of, of the service, you see? So, right, so getting started, container apps for microservices and so on, really easy to get started, not yet at the level of, uh, let's say, full, uh, full-blown service yet, but early days, so keep an eye on the evolution. Uh, easy other stuff to really get started, container instances, Azure Web Apps, and then for let's say any use case, but then always a little bit more complex, AKS uh, or Red Hat OpenShift. Uh, Azure Red Hat OpenShift, of course, you also have Red Hat outside of Azure. Eh? So uh, that's uh, even uh, the most uh, commonly used uh, uh, flavor. That's maybe a little bit uh, the big, the big, uh, the big picture. That was really uh, uh, enlightening uh, answer from you, actually, Stephen. We just got to know when to use what and how to segregate each one based upon the use cases. So um, having dealt with a lot of customers in your end, can you just share us with a real-time container journey from uh, how they started and how the business evolved and how it's going now? Yeah. Well, basically, that's indeed not neutral to, 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 to go for containers. So if you're really about starting uh, your container journey, then then I think the what you need to take into account is, uh, well, of course, the security, right? So dealing with security in containers, it's, it's a different way to deal with security than, than let's say, in the uh, non-container world. Uh, you also have to make sure that your developer machines, so if you are, especially for, for large enterprises, you know, they have... VDIs or they have maybe laptops, dev laptops, right? That are not especially uh, configured uh, to actually be able to work with containers, right? Containers means that you will need something to be able to debug locally. So maybe you're gonna run a Docker desktop, a Minikube on your on your workstation, on your developer workstation, on your VDI. So it, it uh, all tooling, let's say, that you need uh, for developers to be able to to just uh, let's say locally debug something. Uh, and then also, if you really go for microservices, then at some point you might end up in applications where you have dozens of services, which you can't replicate locally on the dev box, right? So you will need to, uh, uh, let's say, use tools like Bridge to Kubernetes uh, to, for instance, be able to debug, uh, let's say, uh, some piece of code on your laptop or your VDI, but uh, let uh, all the services and their dependencies in the cluster so that you don't need to replicate this locally because you just can't, right? At some point, you will never have enough RAM on your machine or your dev environment. But so the dev environment is something that's often overlooked, right? Uh, and then people start to realize, ah, okay, yeah, this doesn't work or this, or, or for instance, in, let's say big companies, usually they have uh, uh, what is called CASB tools, so CASB tools, really something that checks all the, the uh, basically the, the, the calls that your machine is doing uh, to internet and uh, anything, basically. And they often interfere with containers by, because they inject certificates, for instance, that are not known by Docker or not known by your Minikube. And so that, that actually uh, makes the uh, life of developers quite hard. So that's one angle, right? Make sure that you have a dev environment that is actually uh, suitable to, to develop uh, in the container world. Uh, then, of course, the biggest work for me, the biggest area of work is in the CI CD. So DevOps, uh, usually you see, especially if you go for uh, solutions like Kubernetes, you will see a transition from DevOps to GitOps. So, and it's not only words. So in terms of mindset, it's the same, right? You, you want to, to, to deploy stuff fluently and so on and so on. You try to, to break the silos and so on. That remains the same, but the tooling is different. 
right? In DevOps, few DevOps, you have usually you have uh, build pipelines, release pipelines, and then you would push your stuff, your application with release pipelines. Even if it's uh, YAML pipelines, all in all, still have the concept of release pipelines. While with basically GitOps, uh, it's really the source of truth is your repo or are your repos, and then. Uh, basically, you have components in, in the clustering itself, like, itself, like uh, Flux, Argo CD, and so on, that will basically monitor those repos and, and deploy themselves when something needs to be deployed, right? So it's a different tooling, different way of working. Uh, you get rid, basically, of release pipelines. But there is a lot of work there also because, say that you are using Azure today, and let's say you use Azure App Services, I don't know, Azure Functions, uh, as you SQL and so on and so on, you will actually use maybe ARM templates still or Bicep or Terraform, right? These are the usual suspects, uh, but that's not uh, the same tools that you're going to be using for Kubernetes, right? So Terraform has a provider, and so you might still use Terraform Kubernetes itself, but usually you're going to use more uh, Helm charts, uh, YAML, maybe also some YAML, fi um, uh, let's say YAML uh, files, and then these solutions like Flux and so on, uh, will actually deploy your stuff for you. But you see, so it's a, it's a different ecosystem, let's say, in the CI-CD space. And I think that's really a big area where you need to invest time, money, and effort. And that's something that uh, companies need to realize, right? If they go for the full container journey, they really need to work hard on their uh, CI-CD story. And then, of course, in terms of our architecture, you also have a change, uh, let's say, uh, so some changes, but uh, I would say it's maybe less disruptive on, on that level. And security, right? Security, you really need to, to, to envision security differently, right? Because in, in the full uh, Kubernetes environment, everything is as code, basically, right? Including the network is as code. And that is not yet something that is well understood or even not something that is especially wished by all companies, right? So because sometimes they might lose or have the impression to lose control over what's going on, at least traditional security teams. And that is very disruptive towards uh, security practices. Okay, so these are, and also scanning your image and so a lot of efforts to, to, to do uh, in the security field as well. So it's a, it's a whole uh, universe, basically. Fantastic. <laughs> that's that's a huge universe, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that was a brilliant session uh, that we had, Stephen. Lots of learnings, lots of new things that we got to know. When to use what was the highlight of the session to understand the real potential of uh, containers in business. And uh, we usually have a quick uh, request from us in the end of the session to our speakers. Since we bring in a lot of uh, Azure experts into this session, uh, we always have a point to have a quick tip from them. So because you've come through a long journey in Azure. So can you give us a tip to the budding Azure uh, uh, beginners or people who are interested to move into Azure, would you like to give them a quick tip in the end of the session now? Oh, yeah, well, quick tip. Uh, yeah, the thing is, Azure is very broad. <laughs> so maybe to, to find uh, a lot of tips, you can, of course, go to the, to the tips uh, that are available on the serverless website. <laughs> but uh, uh, but no, uh, quick tip, it's actually not that easy. Uh, there are so many tips. Uh, well, 
Yeah, uh, there's nothing that comes to mind. Let's say as a quick tip to get started with Azure, uh, maybe start. Yeah, quick tip would be quick tip would be uh, start small, right? Try to uh, start with uh, a use case that is not already the you know the biggest application you ever developed in your in in, in your company. Try to start small to explore and and let's say uh, get acquainted to the cloud, and then once you you know a little bit better uh, where you go, then you can start to uh, envision. Uh, harder use cases. I would say this, uh, maybe that's a tip. Thank right. you. That is a small tip, but very on point tip. Start small and then grow big. Yeah. So yeah. since Azure yeah. is very vast and very broad, taking yeah. tiny steps would be great uh, and it would be even effective rather than giving a big leap. Yeah. Yes. So because even if you start small, I'm oh, sorry, even if you start small, you will anyway have to look at these different areas that I've been talking about. So CICD, security, even if you start small, it's going to be disruptive towards your traditional way of working. And so then it's even more uh, the reason why you'd better start small. Otherwise, you, you might be just overwhelmed by all the, the new stuff that you have to, to handle. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen, for your time uh, in giving us uh, so much of knowledge in a sh short span of time. So the last uh, 25 to 30 minutes was uh, was awesome listening to you. And I hope the audience are also benefited out of it. Yeah. And uh, we are also associated a lot with Stephen in terms of uh, blogs and a lot with Savan S360. And I hope our uh, association with the community also continues. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Thank you, Amrita, and then talk to you soon.